Impact Lab, connecting social entrepreneurs, nonprofit professionals, tech innovators, and activists with ideas and tools that enable their organizations to make the strongest possible impact. Today's guest is Dinah Davis. Dinah is the founder of Code Like a Girl, an online publication and platform that aims to improve society's perception of women and girls in technology. Thank you for joining us. This is your host, Lynette Zimmerman, broadcasting from Philadelphia. Today's podcast is powered by Impact Tap, sharing social good through new media. Find out more at theimpacttap.com. Dinah, thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a thrill to have you on the show. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here. So we talked a little bit about you in the introduction, uh, so our listeners would know who we have on the phone today. And uh, just to repeat, you are the founder of Code Like a Girl, an organization that promotes women and girls' voices in the tech sector. Uh, So let's kick things off. Can you discuss a little bit about your background and what led you down this path? Yeah, so... um... I, I always uh, liked doing mathematics when I was a kid, and I, I really prided myself on, on getting better grades than the boys in high school. Um, and so when I went to talk to the career counselor about what I should do, because I really had no idea, um, they were like, well, you're good at math, right? And I said, yeah. And they were like, well, you should be a teacher. <laughs> and I was like, okay. That's the only option, you know, right? <laughs> That's, that's, I'm a woman and I'm good at math, so I should teach it. Um, had it been one of the boys with the same marks coming into that room, the answer would have been very different, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I uh, thought maybe that would be a good path, so I went to university to become a math teacher. Um, and I went to a great university where you can get two degrees in five years, uh, your regular degree and your uh, teaching degree. And I quite quickly realized that what I loved was the mathematics and not the teaching aspect. And um, so I I left the teaching behind. And in my third year, I buckled down and I tried that first computing class that all my friends told me was really hard. Um, All my friends were not in math. (laughs) So um, I took it and within the first few weeks, I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. This is like, this is how I think just in a different syntax. Like I, I have to do more of this. Is like, this is like putting math together with, with real world application. So that kind of, that kind of started my path to computer science. And then by the time I went to one of the later courses, uh, I was at a university that had, uh, seven to one women to guys at it. It was a school you went for teaching. And, uh, so there's a lot of women there. And when I walked into this like later stage computer science class, it was me, 58 guys, and one other girl. Wow. So even in an environment where it was a predominantly female um, group, that's how it was. And that really opened my eyes. And over time, um, you know, I was a little bit afraid to talk about it. I, I, I didn't want to get targeted as a feminist. I didn't want to lose job opportunity because of it. But much later on in in my career, when I had a particularly horrible experience with a very sexist boss, um, 
I came out of there looking for a new job saying never again. I'm, this is never happening to me again. I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to let it happen to anyone else. And, and that's when I really started the activism, um, that became code like a girl about two years later, it became, became code like a girl and what it is today. I can hear you're passionate about math right away, and you have found you found your passion uh, through this organization. I think I think the next level of passion you found it here. Uh, so the you know the next generation thanks you. I'll extend that in advance. Uh, so I was looking on your website, and it it features practical articles on coding as well as those that explore topics of interest for women working in tech, and that includes the challenges they face. You know that aren't shared by their male counterparts. You know, what is the scope of your organization's operations? It, it seems quite expansive. Code Like a Girl is, is basically my side project. I call it my side hustle. And, and for my day job, I'm actually the director of R&D at Arctic Wolf Networks. We're a, a small security startup, and uh, they've been extremely supportive of me doing both that and, and Code Like a Girl. Yeah, and... I mean, right now, really, uh, this organization is me and a few other volunteers. Uh, it's, uh, the scope is anything that those women want to talk about. Anything that is important to any woman who's been working in, in tech and they want to voice, I want to amplify. Um, my only caveat to that is that I want it to be something with some kind of positive motion. So it can be a story about a terrible experience, um, but there has to be something we can learn about it in a positive way that can take us to the next step, that can, that can help another woman going through it, that can help us uh, open dialogue with maybe the employer or other employers like that to have, have that positive feeling. So I don't really restrict the topics uh, at all. If it can, if it's written by a woman in tech and it's important to her and it relates in some way back to, back to her career or her childhood or part of her life that she identifies with tech, it's in. Excellent. So I assume you have plans to expand. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, uh, recently we added a Brazilian chapter. Um, and earlier this year, we started translating articles into Spanish. Um, it's all volunteer based, all of it. Um, and so this, we have a wonderful lady in Brazil who has been, um, writing articles for us for over a year. And I asked if she'd be interested in, in starting the, the Brazilian chapter. And, um, so she said yes. And, and, and we started translating articles into Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese and launched a Twitter site with it. That's been quite successful so far. Um, Spanish, we started with just translating. It was kind of our first foray into the translations. Um, and recently we launched a Twitter with that. And next we're looking to tackle French um, and adding French to the page. But we're really open. If, if there's people out there that want to translate any of our articles into other languages, uh, they can just reach out to me and, and we can start adding more and more languages. Uh, the chapters really become a person who edits and, and curates stuff just in that language and will launch a Twitter site with it. And it's not, even though Brazilian sounds like it's country-based, it's more language-based. It's just that Brazilian Portuguese is basically just spoken in Brazil. Uh, so we have a Spanish chapter and a Brazilian right now and looking to add a French. And I've had some people reach out to me about potentially um, a, a Chinese chapter and... Um, there's also some people from 
from India, a lady wanted to maybe start one. So, so we're, we're exploring. I don't want to go too fast. It's just me basically holding it all together. And I have a few, you know, key, key helpers with me. So we still have a long way to go to achieve gender parity through all sectors. And tech in particular has emerged as this new wave of boys club. For all of the forward thinking and forward looking optimism and lofty rhetoric coming out of Silicon Valley, 60% of women who hold management positions report sexual harassment. Look at Uber, for instance. This one-time startup giant has experienced immense troubles recently with this Mm -hmm. issue, uh, leading to the resignation of their CEO. As someone advocating on behalf of women in this sector, can you expound on what you see as the biggest impediments to women in tech? Um, I, I think the impediments to women are tech uh, in tech are the same impediments to women in, in all professions that uh, are not that are more traditionally held or previously held by men. Um, and that's really just a whole lot of unconscious bias. Um, so I think that's really one big part of it is just innate sexism that that exists in our society. Um, that has been learned since childhood. So I think that's one of the biggest issues we have. And in any, I think in any industry you look at that is um, traditionally been a male-dominated industry, you will see very similar patterns happening. Is there anything you can point to and say, we're making progress and here are the signs? Yeah, I think there is so much progress being made. Um, Five years ago, these topics were not discussed. Uh, When I started, you know, five years ago when I started doing a lot of the activism, I was one of very few voices out there talking about this. Um, When I started Code Like a Girl, the publication, a year and a half ago, the reason I started it was because there was no other publication to put my work around uh, women in tech into. Um, And I wanted a home for it. And I felt like, you know, if I could uh, get my voice louder, maybe that would help. But if I could curate and find more voices and amplify them, that would have an even bigger impact. Um, So I think I think from that perspective and and even just the things like Uber happening, uh, that wouldn't have happened five years ago. It would have been swept under the rug. Nobody would have really paid attention to it. Uh, And because because so many people are amplifying these voices, things are starting to change. I don't think things will change fully until we really uh, grab onto this idea that we, we need to have role models for our daughters and our, and our boys that show women in these roles. And that's why I think like just, I think today or yesterday, Goldie Blocks came out with this like amazing video with like Serena Williams and, and hidden figures and uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, the Ghostbuster girls um, all in it to show these amazing role models. And I'm, I'm watching my daughter who's only a grow up and, you know, she pretends to be a Ghostbuster and uh, her favorite TV show movie is star Wars. And like every female character, she like knows everything about them. Um, so she's growing up in a different world. Like I'm really excited to see what happens with these girls who grow up with Wonder Woman as their role model, right? With with Wonder Woman and, and, and the hidden figures women and, and female ghostbusters and uh, like, you know, two new female 
uh, Star Wars characters. That's huge. Like, Princess Leia was huge uh, for many women growing up when that came out. Think about the impact of it now. Um, and I think, so while there's a lot that needs to change, I think that's one of the key factors in, in creating that change. Now, how do we, how do we keep this going? So how do we as a society help girls cultivate the skills they need to achieve success in technology? Like thinking back. So when you were sitting in your counselor's office and they were telling you to be a teacher, what, what could have been different that would have influenced you right away? Um, I think he could have probably just said you should think about engineering. <laughs> That's very simple. I think we're done here. <laughs> it wasn't even an option. Um, and the interesting thing is that um, my mother has a math degree. So it's not that it wasn't encouraged in my house. It definitely was. And I am who I am today because of the amazing support of my parents and, and, and what they taught me that I could just do anything I wanted to do. Um, but it's not just in the hands of parents. That's the problem. I can do as much as I can for my daughter, but if, if society is teaching her something different, it'll be very hard for her to listen to me instead of that. Um, so how do we keep this going? I think doing what we're doing right now. Um, one of the coolest things uh, for my daughter was there was a, there was a, a Kickstarter like four years ago called Miss Possible. And they were going to make three dolls, a Mary Curry, a Bessie Coleman, and an Ada Lovelace. And um, they made the Mary Curry two years later than they said they would. And then they kind of, it just didn't happen. It, it just bailed. And my daughter was crushed. She wanted her Bessie Coleman doll. And so last year for Christmas, my mom and I made her a Bessie Coleman doll. We bought a different doll. My mom, uh, like knitted her, like the aviation outfit and everything. And now my daughter, when she's playing with her dolls, cause she likes dolls and that's awesome. She's a scientist or an aviator. And she just told me the other day, she's going to save up her money to buy Ada. And I was like, could you just wait for Christmas? Maybe oh, Ada will. Nice. You've already got it. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't ruin the surprise. <laughs> no, this is great. This is the best advice I've ever heard. If there, if if a toy doesn't currently exist for your daughter, create it, because she yeah. knows what she wants. She knows who her heroes are, and if she's looking, you know, to us to help her, you know, grow, that's a brilliant way to do it. I think you just killed every toy maker's you know, every toy company's uh, dream because they think they have the power, but they really don't. And, and you just made an incredible point. Coleman, yeah, if there was another Bessie Coleman, I would have bought it, but I, but there wasn't. And so um, she already had a Corel doll. And so I thought, thought, well, if we get the same one, then all the clothes will fit and, and it'll be great. But do you know how hard it was to find a black, um, a black Corel doll? It was actually hard. I was very disappointed. That, I, I was, that's incredibly I, disappointing. I was almost crushed. On the American website, there wasn't one, but through the Canadian one, I could get one. And so that's what we have. And uh, so we got it. We have to get another one now named Ada. And uh, my mom has already found the Victorian outfit to put her in. And she, then my daughter will be pretending to be the uh, creator of computing. Oh, that's brilliant. I, I wish her all the best. Yeah. I'm sure we will be reading about her very soon. <laughs> there might it, be an article coming about that, yeah. <laughs> there might be. I, I'm certain there will be several. <laughs> yeah. This is this is great. Uh, so, 
you've kind of touched on uh, something I was getting ready to ask you already, but uh, you, you mentioned your parents were large uh, influencers on your life. Are there, are there other people that have really stepped forward and, and been mentors? You know what? I, I, I um, really think that every woman I have seen lead and go through this has been that. Every, every one of my friends who is strong and, and doing something different and new um, and, you know, just choosing their path and sticking to it has been that for me. Um, it is huge role models inside my family with my mom and my dad and my, and honestly, my grandfather, uh, just some of the things that him and my grandmother lived through in the second world war and, and all of those things and, 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 um, hiding Jewish people when they lived in Europe and feeding them and helping them get through. Like it really, to me, like, I know that's not related, but, but it is because you have to do what you believe in. And I was always good at math. I love to lead. I, um, just love technology. I'm such a geek. I'm always getting the, like, I'm always the early adopter. I just want to try everything. Um, and not letting anybody tell me that that isn't something I could do. Problem is not everybody grows up like that. So we have to help the other women who aren't growing up like that, who haven't had those role models. Um, and we have to give it to them and we have to empower them with that. Uh, this is just an incredible conversation, Dinah. Thank you so much for all that you've you've said today and shared with us. And I mean, you've become an influencer for me just in this short conversation. So you can guarantee I'll be following you on social media. And I hope our listeners will do the same and hope that they've been inspired as much as I have. How can we find you? Where do we find you? Uh, two places. You can find us at uh, code dot like a girl dot io or code like a girl dot io both will work and the other thing is we recently um launched our patreon page uh trying to you know we're very fledgling and any any support we can get to just uh amplify more voices and and send the message louder and and keep pushing on people to to create and and show up for the role models would be fantastic Wonderful. Thank you again. No problem.